occasion today where we are well we are pivoting I guess from what was our pre-recorded podcast that was ready to go when the news came yesterday that Chris Murphy had passed away uh, unfortunately in rather sudden circumstances and premature circumstances and we just thought tonally wise in these sort of type of times we've got a great community of big and excess fans and all of us probably are aware of the contribution that Chris has made to the group and there's quite an outpouring last night of just messaging on all the platforms. So we thought we'd just do a random Zoom call with some of the best uh, people that we've had a chance to meet through putting this podcast together. And we're joined by Danielle in Pensacola, Lisa Urban in Wisconsin, uh, Laurie in Chicago. Have I got that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere cold. Uh, Leon with a very staunch English accent. Uh, Leon, do you want to introduce where you're from? Yeah. Well, originally from England. No, no, uh, no prizes for guessing that one. Yeah. And then now uh, in Guelph, Ontario, just outside Toronto, about an hour oh. west of Toronto. Equally cold, I'm sure, this time of year. It's, it's, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I'm not sure what it is in Fahrenheit. Sorry to uh, our American cousins down there, yeah. but it's yeah. minus, minus one. Yeah. Um, obviously, we have uh, Dr. Jim in Melbourne, where I'm from, uh, and, and uh, on this particular call, and, and be my co-host uh, up in 32 degrees sunny weather in Coffs Harbour, not ab- absolutely that far from where Chris, uh, you know, spent a lot of his last 10, 15 years. Be um, I know, I might throw to you now. There's been quite an outpouring and feedback and messages and things that have come to you. It's sad, isn't it? Because it's funny for me, Chris is somebody I felt like was almost like um, Methuselah. He would be there, you know, in, in 969 years' time. He, he was such a, a tour de force and had so many ambitious plans to keep the, the legacy going. I, I never, you know, I think of the band like, you know, oh, Gary 63 is getting on and, you know, this one's 61. But I've never contemplated Chris as being anything but an immortal. So it really hit us quite hard, didn't it, B? 
it's um, still sinking in really. So like you say, out of all of them, he's the one that's the, the one that doesn't really do the drugs and he no. didn't do the rock and roll style. Probably had a little dabble, but yeah. like a healthy lifestyle, you know, sportsman. Yeah. It, it's just an ambitious and yeah. just had so much to give and so strong, yeah. so strong willed that you just think like, is it invincible of yeah. all the people? Yeah. Of all the people, like yeah. it's just an absolute shock. Yeah, absolute shock. So, so we sort of fortunate said some great people to jump on sort of the podcasts and things, and you know we don't want to sort of necessarily you know plot and plan what's going to happen going forward. I think probably the tone of this podcast was just to go, well, what what was your understanding of Chris Murphy? Because I know in Australia. He was a, a, a real tour de force down here. And um, I know globally he was a real tour de force in the regions. But um, if anyone's got an anecdote, a story or an understanding or something that they can remember fondly about him, we'll just sort of throw it open. And hopefully throughout the next sort of 30, 40 minutes or so, uh, we can hear from each of you because I think it was said he's like the seventh member of the band, which is, it can sound like a cliche, but without him sort of providing the business side, as I've said a few times, the band wouldn't have had the forum to play in uh, or the forums and countries to go to. But I'll throw it open to anybody who's, who'd like to maybe share an anecdote. Can I start? Of course you can. Thank you. The fact that he started this journey for NXS and said, come on, guys, I'm going to take you out of Australia and I'm going to put you on the global stage. And then he did that for so long. And then he left and then he came back and redid it again. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it? Like yeah. a guy that can do it not once, twice yeah no amazing and where was he going to go with all of this there's so much more he was going to do um and that's something that i wrote earlier was i just hope there's somebody strong enough out there that can take these reins and take his dreams and continue them got some words as well from Pedro I'd like to read out from him because he can't join us today I was deeply saddened to know about Chris's passing I always regard him as in excess's seventh member he was amazing at what he did and he was so important for in excess's success I really admire him at this moment I would just like to thank him for all the hard work passion and dedication for our favorite band my thoughts and prayers go to his family and, of course, the band members for losing yet another brother. Rest in peace, Chris. Anybody else want to share something? Don't be shy. You know, we're here to hear from you. And, you know, it might be just sort of what he meant to you. It doesn't have to be a sort of anything particular, you know, empirical or evidence-wise. A, a fact, it might just be something that you always respected what he did. Well, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to jump on it and, you know, re- reiterate what, what B said, you know, about somebody taking the reins and, and you know, the strength to, to, to carry on, you know, what he did and has been doing. But I think the only thing that I can really say, you know, besides being one of the best managers of the greatest bands ever, you do hear him being like the seventh member and, and things like that. And I do remember seeing pictures of him, but what I remember most is, you know, when you would get your, your tape with like yeah. the lyrics and everything and everybody would always say a thank you. And you always saw CM Murphy. Yes. So, you know, in the early, early days of me exploring in excess, I had to know, well, who is the CM Murphy that everyone says thank you to. And so that's where I started kind of, 
following, you know, more articles on Chris and, and the things he would do. So that would be my only, you know, no, it's, 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 no it is. Cause I mean, if you mentioned the thing called liner notes to uh, millennials these days, they're probably like, Oh, is that a new drug? Um, you know, uh, there you go. <laughs> so, so the reality is, you know, back in those days, often it was just the liner notes on the tape or a, a record and, I used to see Bob Clearmountain and um, uh, Chris Thomas right, and yeah, yeah. names and CM Murphy or Chris Murphy. And you'd always be like, oh, they come up a bit. And we didn't have the internet to explore. And, you know, no. libraries didn't, yeah. if you didn't buy the right magazine or whatever, you didn't know. Um, we were really in the dark as to who was part of the engine room. But I think as time's gone by, we've just probably sort of become aware of sort of the, the comet force that he was. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. The good and yeah. the bad. <laughs> well, look, you know, we, Chris, Chris probably upset a lot of people along the way. And I've often said that, you know, any good manager is sort of has to be like that to, to, mm -hmm. to cut, get cut through. I mean, you're dealing in an industry that it's probably, there's a lot of charlatans out there and shysters and different people and to cut through and deal with, the best outcome, you sometimes have to knock over, well, they say, crack a few eggs to make an omelette. Dear Mr Murphy, thank you for everything you've done for In Excess. Thank you for believing in the band and having the band believe in themselves from the time Kit came around. When the record companies and everyone didn't want to know anything about In Excess or the album, you proved them wrong and what a great album that turned out to be. When you had plans and ambitions for the band and for In Excess, we, it was so sad that they couldn't be realised, but we hope that we can carry on those of us who are left behind and make these dreams become a reality. Rest in peace, dear sir. Love, Carmen. Anybody else want to chip in? Back to what you mentioned here, we, we didn't have the internet. And that's a big thing to remember as well. You know, the first time, you know, like Danielle mentioned, she'd seen see Chris Murphy, you know, thanks to Chris and seen these mentions. And then I never actually saw the guy's face until, or heard his voice, until I got a hold of the uh, In Search of Excellence video back yeah. in, oh, I don't know, 88, something 88. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I... I I'd never seen the I'd never seen the the gent, you know. I'd never seen his face, heard his voice, yeah. and there he was, and and he came across as larger than life, which of course he was, you know. And just those few short clips, you could feel his energy, you could feel his passion, and and he came across as you know managers in in that kind of industry. Uh, I guess a lot of them are, are kind of detached from bands, but it almost felt like he was. They were they certainly were all in it together. Yeah, you know, and he was prepared to roll up his sleeves, and clearly he was, you know, given some of the meetings that he had with record companies in the US, and and get stuck in for the guys, you know. Um, well, yeah, he, he came across as one of the boys. Well, I think he early in the piece basically was profit shared in, so he was like a seventh member on royalties on all the tracks and albums, and I think if you've ever worked or seen profit sharing in, in the workplace, you do get a buy-in from employees if they're on profit shares or, you know, partners within businesses. And I think that model at the start made him feel very invested in, that his time, you know, he had an ambition to take things bigger. It wasn't like he was just a suit who would get a clip off the top, like some yeah. managers did. And the artist was always seemingly next in line. He was just really part of the, the financial structure. And then obviously put the work in to be benefiting the band and himself, you know, 
which is probably started off as a booking it was a booking guy wasn't it i think that took over his father's business as the booking guy there was a young age he had a a, a sort of a zest and a prowess for for business and 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 money and concerts in the industry you're right yeah and and that's another thing that he was the same age i mean a lot of managers are a lot older aren't they usually bands and he had no he i think he'd managed a few things before but nothing like this that to to, that the trajectory that he had the vision that he had and did and conquered but it's interesting leon what you said there about when you sort of see him and you could see those first pictures because that in search of excellence sort of was a was such a it's still the video or the documentary they love the most because they go to yeah. they go to our parliament house and then they have the Australian flag and our prime minister's talking about it and then Michael Lynn says and maybe we're no longer the underdog and it was sort of like yeah. you know like yes. it was it was really <laughs> conquering the world it was the, it was that time of video with there and he was young and but yeah he, he he I mean to think back to Kick you know coming off listening like these and he went and booked colleges and booked uh, unis and. And, and was humble enough to get the band to be humble enough and, and go back and sort of, okay, well, we're going to work this album on the way up and prove Atlantic wrong and take it to the stadiums. Right. And that itself was such a thing. Um, Laurie, yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad that you mentioned Kick because there was an article in Rolling Stone, like, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. And it was about how uh, basically Chris Murphy's self-finance kick when or the band self-finance kick when the label wouldn't take it and this huge huge risk that they would have been out a million dollars yeah and as an american fan it occurs to me i never would have heard of in excess if not for chris murphy he was so aggressive in promoting the band over here getting them on mtv setting up a a, an office in new york and you know you guys laugh at me sometimes in the the groups on facebook you know you guys chat about cold chisel i'm like who the hell is that you know the angels who 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 are the angels right but that's not the case with in excess and i think that um i really owe a lot of the fact that i mean in excess would not have been i think such a huge part of my teens if not for this guy chris murphy yeah and he he got into their heads at an early age and said we're going to do this globally and pitch them as an international band and you know think of the internet as discussed earlier with what leon said we're an island we're a long way away and our bands when they go overseas have to start again they don't they back then they didn't get the the gravitas of well you had number one hit in australia you're massive there we will ease you into america in fact some of the record deals got them a release in america because if they're on atlantic in australia they're on atlantic in america they got their album release but but then you had an a and r guy who would determine if he liked you or not and then would sort of put any time and effort in and in most cases he, they didn't and our songs were a bit jingoistic and cultural to our environment here and in excess had to start again. Um, only, only ACDC had to go to the UK and start again, as we said last week. So Chris, probably that ambition, you know, the, the band themselves probably followed the ambition of Chris because Andrew would probably be an accountant if it wasn't for Chris. Who else like to chip in? I just got done listening to uh, the uh, podcast that, that you actually posted, Lori, on um, from uh, that hour with uh, what was it, Bob Feidler, um, and from 2014, and he and Chris talked about his uh, his ideal that um, he only works with artists that actually are down to earth people as well, you know, such as in Excess and and the Angels and whatnot, and I just that 
that blew me away that that he took that meant that stance that if artists were were shallow and cold and prima donnas <laughs> prima donnas exactly perfect yeah, words yeah um exact yeah that he would just give them their contracts back and say sorry i'm not gonna you know you have to you know have you know a down-to-earth mentality and you have to be you know you, you you can't be a prima donna no you have to you know yeah well it's just tiring it's just tiring even in our general exactly. life when you, when you meet those people and you're like it's just too hard work you know you know yeah and he saw in excess their potential and just took them all you know you know all the way to the top and kept them there kept them grounded too. Well, it's it's quite rare for six artists, and we know what happened with Michael, whatever they're there. But for the yeah. greater part of their career, you kept six band members together, and you don't have to look at Guns and Roses. They had about eight lineup changes before they even had their first album. And yeah. uh, you know, ACDC have had more lineup changes than a Lady Gaga concert. You know, so um, the yeah. <laughs> from the point of view of, of that, to keep everyone together, that that basis there, that had to be a stability and a sense of perspective, I think Chris sort of probably shone across things. Chris in Australia, interestingly enough, you know, definitely, um, you know, had a, a, in excess had a, was a bit of like in excess versus the rest of Australia from a band management point of view. There were other band managers, other touring promoters that found Chris very hard to deal with. Um, there was a bit of you're either in Chris's corner or you're not and each to their own with, you know, how you feel about that. But Chris definitely uh, was no shrinking violet, nor did he sort of uh, endure those um, within his sort of capabilities. But to do something extraordinary, you just had to be absolutely committed on and off the field, so to speak. And look, we're going to do an episode in a few weeks time. We hit around 1992 called The Concert for Life. And uh, I think it was coined The Concert for Strife. And Chris was, you know, probably yeah. be quite topical about that time and, and Chris's sort of movements there. Dr. Jim, I think you were going to say something as Lisa was saying something. Look, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, um, I mean, how incredibly sad that, you know, there's so much, like I said, I've shared with you, there's so much that goes on with people talking about, about him that he was no doubt... Uh, a major reason why in excess is successful. And for me, and when we talk about the whole induction, like he's a major part of that. His management of the band was incredible, especially when you look at kind of those two phases, like there's that original yeah. phase where Michael Hutchins, I guess, was the, I want, you know, I want to be in the band, went along with it, with their, all their families. They took this Australian band overseas. And I think it was very, you know, if you listen to your last episode, you guys, do you talk about Chris? At the end, it's very, very weird hearing that last night, and then you know, at the same time, he, he passed away, or the news got out. What did we say? In the episode, you talked about um, Chris at the end there, where about releasing Max Q, and you, oh. the, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have had the news then. You know, it's really weird hearing that. Yeah, it's going. That was wow. a week ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, we I spoke made... about him a fair bit in this episode for Andrew. We're going to have to re-record a lot of it. Wow. Because I was I was quoting a lot from his book, wasn't I, Hayden? I had the book and I was quoting to you some yeah. of the things that, and all that time we didn't know he was sick. Well, and, and then yeah. and I looked into I have I actually you know with having a medical background I looked into the condition and it can be very aggressive, very aggressive. And it was also the I think like everyone like what now like he's if you looked at the powerhouses of in excess, there was, I guess, 
as frontmen people. You got Michael and then it was him, Chris, in the background who had the vision for this, what would be the this recent, the, la- the latest NXS that obviously the band's not so vocal about, but he was creating the musical. He was going to create that incredible, like, retreat with the big X, like, you know, what happened well, with all yeah, that band, stuff? Now, band you know? to brand, isn't it? You know, really? It was yeah. like, okay, well, let's... Well, yeah. well I, I, that, that the X, the, um, the museum, it went quiet, didn't it, last year? Well, I think it was dealing with councils and things like that, but it seemed like it was getting impetus again. I read something recently like it was suddenly now taking off again. But Yeah, well, I heard heard somebody was up at the ranch um, in November and Chris couldn't stop talking about it still. Hey, and that was it, only in November. We call it a so. farm down here in Australia. We don't call it a ranch. Wow. He's got a ranch. Farm. Farm. Laurie? Huh. <laughs> I, I think another thing that's worth noting, you know, and I, I've tried to read everything I can get my hands on on this band, you know, I'm the resident bookworm, is um, that Chris was very honest with the band. At no point did they have to worry that he was, uh, you know, taking advantage, taking their money. Mm. He always made sure that he was investing their money soundly so that mm. they would be taken care of in later years. And he was just a very, very sound financial uh, yes. uh, person as well. Yeah. And it's really kind of sad that it sounds like from what I've read that that was part of the reason that I think he and the band eventually went separate ways because they had kind of wanted to go with Michael's investment people who were, I I guess, a little bit more aggressive, but then we all know how badly that turned out with Mm. Michael's estate. So, but uh, yeah, I I don't, it's funny. mm. You probably know more about that than I do. I know John sort of maybe went with those people, didn't he? Uh, With Michael a little bit, but I think, I think the the catalyst was Michael and, and Chris had a fallout that, probably emanated from the Max Q days and stuff like that, that was hard. And I think probably also to that point in 1995, you know, Chris had probably, I think when he said to his daughters, look, I'm, I'm leaving the band and they were so happy that he was coming home and he'd reached that zenith of probably 17 there. But you're right. Look, it was, I think it's great that he got back involved with the band and was able to sort of, I remember reading something. He said, oh, I was in London. I was living there and I went into a store and I saw these best ofs there and they look really tacky. They weren't coming from me. They were coming from local uh, record companies. And I've got some of those best ofs things, things like that. The, the tracks are good, but the artwork is a bit cheesy and things. Um, but he just wanted to come back and re-professionalise the service, re-imagine the band and say, look, you're doing more damage than you are trying to go out and play and all that sort of stuff. Just let me take stock of your legacy and, and and rebuild this thing, starting with, you know, there was a thing called the Platinum CD that he put out that was, an, I think, was it went to number one in England on iTunes or whatever there, and then he got involved with, uh, you know, the miniseries and, and he, everything he touches, he just seemed to be ahead of the curve, ahead of the market, even in business. He, he seemed to know where things were going with radio and uh, live streaming and things and, and farming, and he's just been such a sort of a, one of those people who can sort of see you know, is a pioneer, you know, it's a cliche word, but he could see things happening before they were happening and, you know, the results speak for themselves. I always thought he was immortal and bulletproof and, and whatever there because he always had goals. He was always very, when you hear him speak, he was always talking about the next thing, the next big thing and his vision for the musical with a guy called Michael uh, Castle who created the We Will uh, Rock You sort of musical and a whole bunch of other things globally. So Chris is quite smart in the sense that he has always attached himself with people who are probably the best in their field, but he's, he's really irreplaceable because that IP and knowledge and skill and whatever there 
should have been well could have been passed on to some people but he really is a you know you, you can't duplicate and clone yourself i guess i guess that's a discussion for another time anyone else would like to maybe share a story or consolidate something can we talk a little bit more about this whole vision that he had? I mean, that whole, the, the video album for Full Moon D- Dirty Hearts. And I think that was mostly his idea. And you want to talk about ahead of its time. Oh my gosh, you know, bringing in these young uh, student filmmakers and stuff and creating an entire video album from start to finish. Yeah. And I mean, that was unheard of back then. Yeah. He was just light years yeah. ahead of his time. Chris, when he heard the album, and it might be something we talked with Mark Opitz about, because I've touch base with him recently Chris was very worried about that album because it was very eclectic and he was trying to wonder how to market it and he he came up with the idea of getting Chrissy Hine in he came up with the Ray Charles I well maybe Mark might dispute that one but he came up with getting some duo vocals and he was a bit he was struggling how to market it so where the video thing came about from him I think maybe Mark Opitz might sort of be able to add to that but Chris gave the band the forum to go record and, and do what they wanted to do and would come down to the studio afterwards I know it was a big push around that mid '90s period for them to do a reggae album, <laughs> uh, yeah. which was. Yeah, he mentioned uh, that in that podcast. Yeah. he said you should go down to you know the Caribbean like Mick Jagger did and smoke a lot yeah. of drugs and come out with a reggae album. And then, and he was sort of saying, well, you know, mid '90s it was a bit of a reggae movement, so I think I was right on that one. So I don't know if I want a reggae album. <laughs> but, was it was uh, it reggae or was it was it dub? Because dub was really starting to be the in thing yeah. right around then. Yeah. He mentioned in the uh, podcast that I listened to this evening that he wanted him to go down to Jamaica. Which is his advice. And, and it's sort of that dub music and sort of reggae tinge stuff, even the dance yeah. stuff that, with that dub reggae dance stuff came out in the mid-90s. Yeah. Maybe he was onto something, but um, yeah. The excess duo with Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think, isn't one of the worst songs of all time, is it, is it uh, Shaggy and Prince? Uh, not Prince, Shaggy and uh, Sting. <laughs> I think really something. Um, yeah. Maybe you have to. Maybe that'll come up in our pleasure and pains, B, in the future. But, um, um, but is anything else you had from messages from people that you wanted to share um, and posts and stuff like that that you mentioned before? Yeah, I certainly do. I've got this lovely one from Felicia. Hi, this is Felicia in Carbondale. I heard about the passing of Chris Murphy, who was the manager of NXS, and. My heart and condolences go out to him and his family. One thing I want to say, or one thing I remember real briefly about one of the um, past memories of of him, especially was on um, the interview during um, during their 87-88 interview from In Search of Excellence. And I know that um, they had showed him in a scene with... um, Basically, his um, sporting abilities, like riding a, a horse and polo rides and everything, it was pretty cool. And um, I do remember a quote from Michael at the time when um, talking about Chris Murphy, and even Tim had said, you know, Chris was um, really a genius when it came to how to, when they put the band together, touring around the world, and, and Chris was like, you know, really, um, per, really um, to a point of, almost an over-perfectionist maybe, but definitely he pushed them to the point where he said, you really got to strive to succeed. And I remember Michael himself saying one time when they talked about Chris Murphy, um, his exact quote was, and I thought it was so cute, he said, he said, said, quote, Chris Murphy is sort of 
Ah, sorts of evil alter egos. <laughs> this was a cute little quote about, about him, but I know that um, I'm thinking about them right now. He will truly be missed, um, Chris Murphy. Um, thank you for everything. Thank you for this band. Just We all thank you for your time and effort and all of this and just making the band of the next test possible and just for everything. We'll, we will truly miss you and just our prayers and thoughts with your family and with all of you. Thank you again. do is if I would read a little bit from his book the only way you can get this book is through his um, Facebook page which I tried to do a few years ago and I was lucky enough to get a second-hand copy which is signed which is like gold to me this is called never stop looking for what is not there and this is the introduction of his book written by Chris It's funny, many people have approached me to write about my past, my stories, my brush with sex, drugs and rock and roll. There are also many people who tell me with great sincerity, you must write a book about your life. I'd love to read it. I reply with a smile, thanks, as a wave of embarrassment rushes over me. You see, I can't write and I'm the worst speller on the planet. So how could someone like me write a book? I'm not sure what happened to me during English classes at school. There was always a girl in my class who distracted me. (laughs) Someone I had to show off in front of to get everyone's attention before getting thrown out of class. Was that my way of avoiding what I couldn't grasp or understand? For a while there, I had a bad habit of running away, fast, from what I couldn't do. But as life passes by, you soon learn you can't keep running and avoiding. You need to face your fears and obstacles and beat them. Life can be very difficult and complicated, yet it can also be quite simple. It is usually only complicated because of your own doing. For those of us who take a hit early in life, whether it be an accident, that affects our performance or a tragic event such as losing a loved one. The confusion of life unknowingly settles in and can sometimes leave nasty scars. These scars can be the reasons we can't exist fully in life or in a relationship. These scars are often our excuses for not achieving simple goals or moving forward. A lucky few get to feel a genuine love or passion for something or someone that overshadows the grey and fades the scars. But many more choose to hold and even cherish their scars, proudly pointing to them as the reasons why they have never been successful in love or life. Some, like me, turn into reptiles and grow a skin so thick that it can never be penetrated by anyone who dares to try. Instead of exposing ourselves and allowing us the possibility of feeling love, we retreat quickly, usually spitting venom at those who try to cut through the skin. 
it's and gives the risk of being hurt. Once you have experienced deep pain, you do anything to avoid feeling it again. I can only thank Mother Nature, who to me is a god. I believe the spirit lies within her and she distributes the karma we Mother Nature and the support of my children have given me enough comfort and strength to shed my layers of skin and allow the pain of the past to seep from my heart and free it to once again feel love. Well, probably will. And um, I think just maybe to tie things up, I mean, Chris's father passed away when he was 16 or 17 and he over- took over the business. Uh, think of all of us thinking about what we were doing in 16 or 17. Um, obviously, I know he loved his mum very much and she was a big mentor in his life. But I think, you know, he's really self-made. I think that's something that a lot of us admire about people, whether, you know, they're, you know, when they've gone on to create something, self-made people haven't come from money. Um, you know, who go on and create such a, uh, a successful career pathway or, or whatever for themselves are always, you know, garnered with respect. And I think, you know, Chris uh, might have inherited something to do with his father's business, but he took that and added, <laughs> added uh, you know, by the multiple of 10 uh, in his life and career, both in entertainment, both in rural and farming, uh, in, in, in radio, um, in, in streaming services, um, everything he seemed to touch and be involved with, you know, uh, he, he brought in, I wouldn't say a maverick sort of type of, of persona, but he brought in a, a, a real business smarts and sensibility to it and uh, and a determination. It's easy to give up in life on things and whatever. And, you know, we all glorify the outcomes, but I think he must have had something in his DNA and something in his determination and characteristics that he could just transcend anything he took on. Um, as I said, again, I'm sure for his family, uh, if anyone ever within the family get to listen to this, first and foremost, you know, it's condolences to you. You've lost a, a family member, extended point. And, and to us, none of us, I don't think have met him at all, but in some way feel like we do know him and hold a, a torch to what he's gone on and done. And I guess my last thing to sort of say was I hope that uh, Michael's waiting at the pearly gates with a, a beer and saying, what took you so long, Chris? Uh, come to the bar. This will make you smile. There was somebody on one of the pages said this and it just made me smile. So it's so like, um, yeah, Chris will go up there and he'll go, right, that needs to go there and that needs to go there. Get me this, get me that. And <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> now, now, you'd probably be like, God, I know you've had this particular uh, thing set up for a while. but I think Sort you your shit it. out. Or, or it could be uh, Bill's above down below. Okay. Uh, you think you know fire and brimstone. Let me show you something. And it'd be like, yeah, stop that wall. What's this COVID all about? I know. I know. He's escaped oh. COVID. He's probably smart. You know, he escaped COVID. And, oh. You know, but um, I guess, um, look, if nobody else has anything else to add, I just want to thank everybody for getting on it in impromptu sort of notice. And um, think, just keep thanking all of you for what you're doing with the podcast um, and how you're involved and things like that. And um, 
I know next week it's sort of a Michael's birthday, so we sort of planned uh, an episode around that with the lyrics, but I'm sure we'll touch upon the Chris stuff a little bit because more will probably come out during the week. Yeah, extend my 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 sympathies to the family and to In Excess the band and to all the, the In Excess community out there. Yeah, uh, my condolences to uh, Chris Murphy's family. Um, rest in peace, Chris. Uh, we're going to miss you. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for the band. From Lisa Urban from Exonia, Wisconsin in the United States. To Chris's family, send uh, deepest condolences and uh, we'll, we'll always be thankful for the work that you did for the band, um, all the effort that you put in. You, you made the uh, the dream come true. So uh, from all that excess fans, thank you and uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. Uh, my thoughts are with all of Chris Murphy's family and also rest in peace wherever you are, Cobber. Chris, wherever you are, thank you for taking these six wild and raggedy men and leading them on the journey of a lifetime that touched all of us. Uh, we'll be forever grateful and uh, rest in peace. We'll see you on the other side and it's gonna be a hell of a party, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sympathy to uh, Chris's family. Sympathy to the guys. And just thank you, Chris, from all the NXS fans from around the world. We're gonna miss you. We love you. Cheers. Um, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. All right. Well, we came in onto the podcast with uh, Freedom Deep from Full Moon Dirty Hearts, which is a beautiful song. And in light of sort of the moment, I, I guess, um, you know, to me, it's a sort of transcendental song. It's a real world music-y song. And feels like uh, it's quite emotional and, and, and spiritual as a song B. Um, yes, but uh, you have an interesting little anecdote. We are going to play a bit of a tribute song and an exit song for, for, for Chris. And we thought we would take it up a notch because you've got a nice little story to tell about yesterday. Do you want to share with the, uh, the listeners? Yeah, there's um, a really fun guy that used to hang out with the boys um, in excess and he was like their little fun plaything yeah. I should imagine and um he used to give Chris the runaround and um he uh, caught up with the boys yesterday Tim and Kirk and they all had a, a few tears um and uh it was very somber as you can imagine but they uh got really excited afterwards saying, you know, well, yeah. you know, he, he had the devil inside. And then they said, that's it. That's his song. Let's, yeah. let's play that. And so they were playing that all last, last night and I'm sure they're still playing it now and uh, partying. So I just feel it fit to go on something a little bit more. Yeah upbeat for him yeah um trying to hold back the tears again. that's all right well let me let me chip in i think um you know wembley was the crowning achievement where in excess had conquered the globe you know that they, they, they conquered australia they conquered asia south america uh and then finally sort of the uk and uh the closing song which i really love that version live of devil inside and the aero shot of michael going devil duh, duh, you know um <laughs> and i think chris there at that concert would have just so absolutely proud been so them. proud so yeah as as a, a bit of a uh, a tribute to the one and only uh incomparable chris murphy we're going to go out with devil inside live uh from wembley um again heartfelt condolences to everybody in the community uh and chris's family and we wish chris um, uh, I guess rest in peace. It's, uh, it's a horrible illness and we hope he's uh, in a peaceful situation. So it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, Chris, and thank you.
Thank <laughs> you.